1: Let's bring in our usual suspect, our great local writer with uh, TheCenterSquare.com, Anthony Hennon. Hey, Anthony.
0: Hey, Don. Thanks for having me. How yes. you doing?
1: I'm good. Tell me about this one, because, it, you know, in some states like Jersey, the wind turbines, not popular with a lot of people. On the other side here on Pennsylvania, on our side, this looks like something that Republicans are backing are, and, and Democrats. It's getting bipartisan support. Or it's or, you know, how is this being received?
0: Yeah. So broadly speaking, when we're talking about these hydrogen hubs, which essentially we don't have an example of these up yet. Nowhere in the U.S. is there a hydrogen hub yet. It'll probably take another decade before we really see this getting off the ground. Uh, But the idea here is to build essentially an entire ecosystem based off hydrogen um, to fuel power because it doesn't emit carbon um, rather than natural gas coal, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so this would go into a lot of you know, heavy manufacturing, um, chemicals, things like steel, basically trying to clean up the fuel source used for this. Um, there's a lot of federal money flowing in for this. Uh, the two hydrogen hubs recently announced, one based in Philadelphia and the other headquartered in West Virginia, but we'll see that spilling into Pennsylvania. That's getting, I believe, about $1.7 billion in federal funding alone, and then they expect more from some private sources coming in, probably some state tax breaks. Broadly speaking, we're looking at the support of, uh, you know, President Biden, um, a lot of uh, labor unions and kind of that pro-labor boost, um, Senate Republicans. Uh, on the flip side, uh, you're seeing more skepticism from environmental groups and from kind of fiscal watchdogs, um, you know, generally conservative leaning types who are very suspicious of the government leading the charge on this and sending taxpayer money to fund this in the first place.
1: Right. And so that the the and I think you bring up the best point because people are like, what's a hydrogen hub and how is it powered? Because it's it's ultimately don't they have to use fossil fuels to power up the hydrogen hub?
0: Yeah, so there, there's a few ways to do it. Um, I believe the one that lo- they're looking at in uh, Philadelphia, they're mostly trying to power that with nuclear power, with solar, with wind. So they're trying to do it without using any sort of carbon-based power. Okay. The one based in West Virginia, they're looking to, uh, to use what they would call blue hydrogen, which is uh, using natural gas to get the hydrogen in the first place. Um, and there's bigger concerns about, Using fossil fuels to create the hydrogen because it takes a lot of energy and that produces emissions. And so the idea for that is, well, you know, we can capture these emissions and store them somewhere, which is using a technology called carbon capture. Um, The problem with that is the federal government's poured a lot of money into doing some carbon capture and storage test cases, and none of them have really panned out. Um, The last decade, they've spent almost a billion dollars to do a few of these projects. Only one of them got off the ground, and then within months it shut down. Um, so, you know, there, there's always talk about we can do this with carbon capture and storage. Pennsylvania has a lot of um, ways to store this carbon, essentially pumping it back into the ground where we pulled out shale gas. Uh, but the problem is there's always, there's always talk about the potential and the hopes for this, uh, but it's consistently been disappointing. Um, so there's, uh, it, it, this is one of those things where there's a lot of hope there's a lot of money going in behind this hope, but we don't actually have any useful cases to say this is how it works or this is how we made it work here. But we're putting a lot of government, a lot of taxpayer money into making this happen.
1: And it's and, and we, I think, are and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're, you've are you been investigating this. But aren't we in the so-called, you know, mid-Atlantic region, our hub? It's not just Philadelphia or even Pennsylvania. Right. It extends. It's Delaware, it's southeastern Pennsylvania, part of the Appalachian region, which you know quite well. Is that right? Western PA. So it's a a big area.
0: Yeah, it it kind of spills out. And there's also that hope of, you know, even if it's not based in your state, then this will also lead to more jobs, more development, Um, which, once again, remains to be seen. uh, And it remains to be seen whether the technology works at all whether this actually reduces emissions in any way or if this is a subsidy going to the uh, companies benefiting from this.
1: Yeah, and I think the big question, I remember um, back when, remember the old Sunoco refinery and the name was changed by the time they had that explosion in fire. What was that? Um, I was still on afternoons on the Zioli show. It was like 20, I don't know, was it 2018, 2019? Now I'm forgetting. But ultimately, yeah, right. remember that they said, oh, no, you know, residents were worried, saying, uh, this thing's burning, even before the fire. You know, a lot of people questioned that. Then, ultimately, they shut it down. And then, finally, we did learn, uh, yeah, they had some dangerous emissions. And so, I think people are already skeptical, even though hopeful. And so, then there's, there's the issue of transparency. I mean, why aren't they, I don't know, holding public meetings, giving out more information as far as emissions?
0: Yeah, I mean, th- this is also something that's been a long, long-running thing. Um, looking at the hub based out in West Virginia and spilling over into Western Pennsylvania, that's the Appalachian Hydrogen Hub, um, also called Arc Two. Um, you know, there, there's talks of as they're developing this, there there will be a community benefits agreement. They'll do this and this, um, but there's not a lot of transparency there. No one has actually seen. What the draft of this community benefits agreement will look like uh, when the Department of Energy of the federal government was taking applications for these hydrogen hubs. Mm-hmm. Um, none of these were made public. Uh, so, you know, there, again, there's a ton of taxpayer money going into this, but the public is really operating in a fog of information. Um, and it's hard to say whether this will actually pan out in the end or whether this will just keep fueling, you know, either techn- technology that doesn't work or simply keep putting out more emissions that they were originally supposed to reduce. Um, which, you know, if, if it's a selling point of doing this, we'll reduce emissions, we'll clean up our air, our water, our soil, whatever, that's mm-hmm. one thing. But if we can't actually follow up and see any improvement on that, uh, that seems significant.
1: Yeah, it, it sure does. It, it always, you know, I've, in my humble opinion, a lot of the environmental people, Seem to be consistent on this. The ones who have, you know, their entire lifetime, you know, in their lifetime, they've just cared about uh, transparency and w- just wanting to know the emission information, the data. And so, I always try to look to those groups that have been consistent and less partisan. But I, I applaud you for doing, you know, looking into this and doing the story because it, sometimes it's it's hard as a writer, as a journalist, to not get caught up in that, right? Be, because there are so many different groups. And, and because there's a lack of transparency, Anthony Hannon, we don't always have a way to, to understand who's backing whom, right?
0: Yes, yes, exactly. And I mean, you know, there will be everyone has their own motivation yeah. for commenting on this. Um, you know, some environmental groups might be more pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Others, um, you know, have a stated goal of having no fossil fuels at all. And so yeah. from the gates, they'll be opposed to it. You know, not everyone concerned about the environment or about conservation, is, you know, simply against any and all energy production. Um, Same same with, you know, labor-leaning Democrats who are aware of these trade-offs, but, you know, do you think you need to create jobs, create careers for working-class families? Uh, So there's a lot of different motivations going into it. But I think the key here is, you know, really pushing for the actual data, the actual results on this, and asking legislators and federal officials to be clear that, you know, there's a lot of money going into this, but once again, we don't really have a good working use case, and there's a lot of hope that this will pan out. Um, but if it doesn't, you know, taxpayers are left on the hook to cover all of it.
1: <laughs> Amen to that. Another um, another headline that you have supply problems stoking the state's housing shortage. and this as you know, the housing costs are rising, the interest rates, we've, I don't think we've seen these kinds of interest rates um, for trying to get a mortgage, et cetera in our lifetime. So talk about the shortages, I think, especially in our region here on the East Coast.
0: Yeah, uh, this is getting more and more bipartisan attention um, in in the General Assembly. Um, In May, Republicans in the Senate held a hearing talking about what's the issue with construction and what's slowing down construction, uh, uh, building new supply. And then this week, um, the uh, House uh, Housing and Community Development meeting held a meeting out in lancaster um essentially talking about what is the problem with the housing supply why are we seeing this housing shortage um and i mean both democrats and republicans seem fairly clear about this uh mike sterla um who is out of uh, lancaster said if we don't continue to increase the inventory at all levels we're never going to get to where we need to be we can't build our way out by just building subsidized housing Um, there seems to really be this recognition that on both sides of the aisle, uh, the problem here is not you know, funding enough subsidized or affordable housing. The problem is not moving people around the state. The problem is that we simply lack enough housing, either be it uh, detached housing, mm-hmm. be it you know four-unit apartment buildings, no matter what we're talking about here. Um, not just for low-income folks either. We're talking about police officers, nurses, mm-hmm. teachers, middle class. It's very hard to find affordable housing simply because We're not building enough supply to keep up with the demand.
1: Yeah, and everywhere I look, that's on one hand, we're always talking about a tough economy and the interest rates and inflation and all of that. Everywhere I look, there's concern. I can look out the window here. I'm on Market Street in Philadelphia, and there are there are tons of workers. I mean, we come in the wee hours of the morning, you know, and they're here. They're doing construction in not just housing, but on buildings, and sometimes I think, wow, you wouldn't even you would not know that we have this tough economy because they continue to build. And that leads me to my next story, which is you're talking about Philadelphia leaders are countering the narrative of so called decline. Despite high taxes here, there's a lot of building going on. Tell me about this latest article that I don't know if we should be hopeful or not, but it sure looks like we have a demand for all of this building that's going on in Philadelphia? Yeah, so
0: I think uh, you know, I, I think there's cause for optimism here. Um, when we're looking at um, American cities recovering from COVID, uh, Philadelphia is doing fairly well, not, not the best, uh-huh. not as much as we want to, um, but we're getting back to where we were pre-COVID. Um, part of that is simply because there's a lot more housing in center city, Philadelphia, compared to a lot of other downtown American cities. Um, we're having visitors coming back. But it seems what's holding it back a little bit is remote work. Um, a lot of these jobs based in Center City can be done just as easily at home as opposed to some cities like San Diego or Nashville, where a lot of that was more focused on hospitality, on tourism. You have to be in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, luckily it is, it, it does seem to be recovering. People realize this is good. Um, but one of the things that, uh, Paul Levy, who leads the Center City District in Philadelphia said was that, uh, you know the the wage tax is yeah. you know essentially business repelling. It's a big disincentive for people to actually have an office in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, it drives up costs, and so that that's that's been you know that's been a long running issue. Um, but you know there, there's still there there's hope. Uh, you know there's a lot to say for being in Philadelphia itself, and I think uh, the more and more that local leaders realize what's really stopping job creation and business growth, um, the more we can actually respond to it in a productive way.
1: Yeah, well put. Well, Anthony Hennan, I'll stop it there until next time. Thank you so much for all your great reporting and updating us on these other stories beyond the headlines. Thanks, Anthony.
0: Thank you